Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. The religious leaders at that time were confronting Jesus how Jesus was violating one of the crucial laws for all of the Jews, meaning on the day of Sabbath, No Jews were allowed to work at all. Work, we're not just talking about occupational work. The Jews had believed on the day of Sabbath, they were kept from doing any kind of, uh, exerting any kind of effort, physically, emotionally, so they believed in literally not doing anything. So the day of Sabbath, you don't show up to work. Day of Sabbath, you don't even cook. Day of Sabbath, uh, some uh, uh, modern-day Jews, they, they go on to the point where they don't even open doors. They don't even turn on a faucet to let the sink water run. Um, that's to the extent of how they prioritize in observing the Sabbath. So when Jesus' disciples were found gleaning, getting food for themselves, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, uh, what's the word like? They, they freaked out. And they were just waiting to go in hard towards Jesus. And often was the case between Jesus and the Pharisees, Jesus quiets them by alluding to an instance where such thing actually did take place in the Old Testament. And um, our passage tells us today that the scribes and the Pharisees were, verse 7 here, watching Jesus closely to see if he healed on the Sabbath in order that they might find reason to accuse him. Very important. By the times that the Pharisees are are showing up to where Jesus is ministering, all they are looking for is evidence to speak against Jesus. How many of you guys know, like, sometimes we have our minds made up. We know exactly what we want to say. We're just waiting for the right moment where I can come in and embarrass that person, shame that person, and accuse that person. All so that I feel good about myself. So that's really what's happening here. So verse 7, so we see Jesus, the disciples, and the Pharisees who's waiting to come in hard. Which is really, really unfortunate because the Pharisees, during the entire time of Jesus' ministry, they missed out in all that Jesus had said. They missed out on all that Jesus had done. They saw the same miracles. They heard the same sermons. I mean, do you know how many miracles and sermons that Jesus preached during his time? I mean, how many great teachings did he share with the people? They were privy to everything. It's not as though that Jesus was purposely like ghosting them. He wasn't like making his goal to exclude them. He wasn't strategizing so that how do I do my things and the Pharisees are not accessing what I'm doing. It's really sad. All because that they wanted to indict Jesus because they really hated Jesus They completely missed out on the person of Jesus. And here's my first exhortation to you as we delve into the word of God. I want to charge you that be activated in the work of God. Amen? Say with me, be activated in the work of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, be activated in the work of God. 
Do not merely spectate, but participate. You and I have been invited by God. You and I have been called by God so that we may participate. Did Jesus did not come so that we may just see what's going on. Jesus does not come into our lives so that we may witness. It is his desire and his vision so that we partake in all that God is doing. God wants you to be committed in serving and loving the needy. In fact, God is calling us, God is challenging us to be more about those he's going to heal. He's calling us and challenging us to draw near to those that are brokenhearted, who are in need of restoration of Jesus Christ. How often do we as Christians, do we get really excited about that? I mean, if we can be just completely honest, how often when we come to church do we get excited about the prospect of someone else encountering Jesus? Come on now. How often do we get really amped up about God? Touch somebody today. God, I pray for a breakthrough. Just because we know some of the hardships that our friends are going through, how often do we commit to God do something in so-and-so's life. If you're like me, the most of times we are concerned about God meet with me. I'm all for miracles, God. I'm all for the supernatural, God. But God, it would be amazing if it happened to me first. I promise when it happens, I'm going to testify But I think it's important for us to know that one of the reasons why the Pharisees missed out is because they failed to participate, they failed to celebrate with those that Jesus was meeting with. We, as we prioritize, and this is just an initial point here, if we really want to be a gospel-centered community, we need to become the type of people that we celebrate the wellness, and the victories of other people. And we're not doing it just yet, but I mean, it's been a while. We have given the platform for testimonies, but it's coming soon. Meaning we need to be accustomed with people that are, first of all, in need of Jesus' power. That means we need to be accustomed with being broken that means we need to be the church and the community that we include, that we invite, and we empower those that don't have the power to stand on their own. Physically, emotionally, psychologically. You know, that's the, there's an old saying, if Jesus were to visit the church today, if Jesus were to visit the earth where would he be at? You know? And for those that are even casual Bible readers, we will give the answer, well, Jesus will be found on the streets. Well, Jesus will be found in the hospitals. Well, Jesus will be found in, in those that are mourning the losses of, of their beloved. Because Jesus forever, all throughout the Gospels, were drawn where his heart was being tugged. His, he operated mostly out of the compassion for the people. 
So what's going on here? Let's zoom into the focal point of today's story. The main character is obviously Jesus, and the other person is a man with the withered hand. We know very little of this man. The Bible does not even tell us about his life. We don't know where he came from. We don't even know his name. He's just described as a man, a dude with a messed up hand. And he happens to be there, and Jesus shows up. We don't even know his name. Simply known as a man with a messed up hand. Anyways, so we also know that it was the right hand that was withered. Let me just clarify the significance of the right hand. It is a stronger hand. The right hand represents power, authority, position. It says in the Bible, in the Old Testament, it says, God saw no one standing in the gap, so my right hand will be there to support you. It's always God's right hand that's uplifting people, that's supporting people. In the book of Psalms, it says, Your right hand has dashed down to scatter my foes. Guys, God is right-handed. And when, where did Jesus, after ascension, which side of God was Jesus seated at? 50-50 chance, guys. (laughs) Which side? Right side. All right, good. It also conveys our ability to touch God and touch people. Please. I imagine there are some left-handed people in this room. Before I lose you, okay, God still loves you. Just not as much as the right-handed people. Just kidding. Any left-handed people here? Oh, good, we're safe. I told my daughter in the morning, say, I'm going to talk about you, actually. She's she's a lefty. And she said, be nice. So I have to be nice. Anyways, so the withered right hand meant so much more than just physically being ill. It meant so much more than just his, like, his handicap, he can't use his right hand. You have to understand the condition of this man with the, right, with the right hand meant emotionally he was not the same. He understood that him being born with a wither, meaning like smaller, uh, not functioning right hand meant he probably felt humiliated. He probably carried on shame and insecurity that he was... Uh, significantly different than the majority of the population. So he had a chip on his shoulder. He probably could not relate to people. He probably showed up to, to family gatherings and public gatherings, always hiding this portion of his life. To the point where he does not even go by his name. Oh, it's that guy with a messed up hand. It's the guy that, oh, it's just different. Isn't it so interesting, out of the people that have gathered in the synagogue, and we have to be honest, that he was not the only person with physical ailments or deficiency or need, yet Jesus reaches out to the person whose name that we don't even know, and he shows up, and he's ready to encounter him. And I think we need to give this man a little more credit than we might want to. And this is the second point I want to make. You want an encounter with Jesus? You want to experience God? We need to remember that we have to show up then. Showing up is often the most important thing that we can do in encountering Jesus. 
I want to highlight the courage and the faith of this man with a withered hand. Though he was uncomfortable, though he may have no friends, he may have had no friends in the synagogue, though that he may have been turned away in the past, though he may have prayed for healing for his hand and nothing has ever happened, yet we find him showing up. Yet we find him in the middle of the church worshiping God. Yet we find him at the sound and the, the word of Jesus showing up to the temple. He shows up as well. He didn't really care what others thought, at least for that moment. He did not care if going to the temple a thousand times prior to without anything happening, nothing prevents this man from showing up to where Jesus was. And this is a reminder for you and me. We need to show up where Jesus is. Every single encounter, all throughout the Gospels, it required the faith and the courage of the people that were broken and sick. The least amount of thing that all, every single one of them had to do, they had to show up. You don't believe me? A woman in Mark chapter 5 who had the bleeding problem for 12 years, oh, she had to show up. Oh, she had to come out of her hiding. What about Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19, the tax collector, the chief tax collector, a hated man, man with zero friends. Guess what? He had to show up. He climbed up the tree. He wanted to hide. At least he showed up to the place where he could be seen by Jesus and friends, I want to tell you, you want to encounter Jesus? I know it's difficult. I know you're not in the right place. I know you don't feel like it. But you got to show up. You got to show up. Some of you guys who are gym goers, I was hoping that I would see Danny because he lives at the gym. <laughs> now I don't know who to look at. You, you go to the gym. What is the most important thing if you are a gym goer? You got to show up. You got to show up. If you want to be all about it, okay, I'm calling out Andrea now. I just named you now. You got to, today, you're going to go to the gym? Tomorrow, Tomorrow okay. <laughs> what is the most difficult thing about going to the gym? You just got to be there. You just got to be there. Some of you guys are taking like 15 years. I get it. But you're so close from doing the most important thing about being a gym person. All you have to do is show up. When you show up, something will happen. Sometimes you don't even have the will. You don't even know where to go. It's okay. A crazy person at the gym will grab you. Hopefully it's not a stranger. It can be, and that's okay. You will run into guys like me or, or Matt. We will grab you. We will make sure that something happens. We will make sure that your gym visitation will not be in vain. Are you guys with me? As so, in our, in our encounters with God, God has prepared miracles. God will do wonders in and through your life. But he still says, you got to show up. The prodigal son we will talk about in the next couple of weeks Amazing story of gospel transformation. What did the son have to do? If he had lived for the rest of his life, if he had stayed in the pigsty, we don't hear the end of that story. 
even in the brokenness and the messed up stage, that little younger son had to get up from where he was. He had to leave the pigsty and show up. He didn't have to go home, per se. The Bible says he just showed up. And the father, the gracious father, the loving father saw him in the distance. And the father ran after the son. But the younger son had to show up. Friends, I want to tell you, you want to encounter Jesus, you got to show up. Be where Jesus is. Go where Jesus is. If that's church, be here. If that's at a block meeting, a home house church, be there. If it's in the streets, if in the privacy of your room, be there, ready to encounter Jesus. Amen. All by myself. So participate. Be present. And let me see what happens next when we show up. And your job and my job is to respond to Jesus' invitation. Your job, my job is to follow Jesus' lead. Let's see what happens here. So here's Jesus. Knowing well of this man's condition and not caring what his critics might say about healing on the Sabbath, Jesus commands the man to rise and come forward. Here we go now, guys. Buckle up. So it's a room full of people. The man is probably sitting towards the back, I'm guessing. Jesus is in the front, about to teach, and he calls the man out, say, hey, I want you to stand up and come here. How many guys like such attention when there's a room full of people? When someone say, you know, in the same way that I pointed out, I keep picking on Andrea because it's, it's fun and it's working. She doesn't like attention. As most of us, we don't want to be singled out. And this man is probably thinking, Jesus, come on, man. Me? Are you serious? He may have expected healing. He may have expected encountering Jesus, but not in the public manner as such. Yet Jesus makes the point, says, you know what? He calls him out out of the crowd. He's, he's telling him, hey, seize this moment because I am here for you. I'm making a point that I'm encountering, I'm meeting with you. Single tunnel vision right now. And he's calling the man out. As shocked as this man probably was, he obeys Jesus. He gets up and does as he is told. He, he gets up from where he was sitting, and he makes his way towards where Jesus was. He puts, aside, he puts aside any kind of embarrassment, any insecurity, and any fear of man. He rises up, and he approaches Jesus. Friends, God is singling you out today. God is calling you to act in faith. You want to meet me? You want a blessing? You want a healing? You want restoration? Come meet me as I'm calling you out today. And God is giving you all the attention that you, don't, you probably don't want, but the attention that you need. God is saying, come, because I'm about to meet you today. Don't get up and walk away. Don't think about it, but do it. Don't put your hands up on your face and cover your face. 
Don't wish that no one sees you or hears you because I see you and I hear you and I'm here to meet with you. You see, faith always includes this element of where you have to step out of your comfort zone. Make it about you and Jesus, not anybody else. Guys, who cares what other people think? If you ask me what is more important, reputation or a miracle? This is not, reputation. This is not it. What, what's the harm in this? This should be no-brainer. Uh, just an embarrassment, feeling awkward, I get it. You know, we get shy. I don't like attention either. But it must be driving God sometimes crazy because, guys, it's so close. But you got to come out of your comfort zone. And I hope that you and I have the faith to dare say to God, say, God, if you are here, don't pass me by. In all the areas of our lives, confess to the Lord, Lord, look at me. Come to me. These are my needs. These are my ailments. These are my sicknesses. This is a condition of my heart. God, come meet with me. Come heal me. And now we are nearing the climax of this story and towards the end now. And this is my next exhortation to you. Obey when you don't think you can. Obey when you don't think you can. Obedience, by definition, is not compliance. Obedience is not compliance to... um, It's not an agreeable proposition that makes sense to you. Obedience is not, man, as a result of my wrestling and discerning and and thoughtful process, God, I have chosen to obey your word. What I know of the word, the definition of obedience, what I know of obedience all throughout the Bible is that oftentimes the person who God is targeting targeting is not ready. The person does not see what's happening. The person does not want to do what God is commanding them to do. Abraham, Joseph, Jonah, Moses, I mean, you name them all. But God through and through moves this element of obedience. Verse 10. Look with me here. And after looking around at them all, he said to him, stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored. It was the man's obedience that led to the final healing and restoration of his ailment. Let me again remind you, this man got up from where he was sitting This man walked up in front of where everyone was watching. He did so. He had no problem. Do you know why? You know what this man is saying? Jesus, do you know why I've stood up? Because I can. Because my legs are healthy. 
Jesus, do you know why I walked up to the front? Because I can. I'm able to endure it. But when Jesus said, now stretch out your hand, this man is thinking, Jesus, what are you asking me to do? What are you telling me to do? You're literally asking me to do something that I've never done in my life. You're asking me to do something. You're asking me to step into something that I've never even imagined in my life. I've obeyed you. I've complied to you in all the areas that I have decided that I think I can. Jesus does not stop there. Jesus is saying, that's not enough because I'm going to take you deeper. My healing for you, my restoration for you, my empowerment for you will reach beyond where you have to do something that you have never, ever dreamt of doing in your entire life. So think about the, vulnerabil- the, think about the vulnerability this man's experiencing. He's walking up. He's finally at the, fin- the, the, the front stage. And he's locking eyes with Jesus. And Jesus tells him in his face, now, that messed up hand, that very thing that you've been hiding all your life, take it out of your pocket. Show it to me. Show everybody else what you've been hiding all your life. He says, now stretch forward. Stretch forth. With a withered hand. As it is. As ugly as it is. As despised as it is. As you are ashamed. Stretch forth. And the man did exactly that. And the Bible tells us. Right at that moment. The man's hand. Was fully restored. I don't think this man, who knows, with any miracles, you think about the expectations of the person in need. I mean, he was probably not all that sure that if that was ever going to happen, right? If you try something a hundred times, a thousand times, it never happens you're likely to believe that, oh, it will never happen. And we treat our faith lives in the same way. We look at our life condition. We look at the conditions of our hearts. We feel the emotions that we feel inside of us. We assess, we examine the thoughts that we have, and we are most likely to stay in that realm for the rest of our lives. Unless we recognize that Jesus He indeed has the power to change all of that. Jesus shows up and saying, I don't care if he went over a thousand. I don't really care if, it's like, you know, I don't care if this was a thousand step process at like Edison said, I don't care. You could have failed 10,000 times. Jesus says, oh, but if I show up and you give me the access, I'm going to literally do something that no one else has been able to. I don't know about you, 
I need to experience Jesus in that way. It's not even I, I want to experience him. I need to experience him that way. Friends, God is speaking to us right now. There are areas in your life. You've been in pain. You have been waiting. You have been quite sick. But because of the long period of waiting, you told yourself, nothing's going to change. And you have accepted that about you. And you are doing everything that you can to be at peace with the current condition of your life. I just want to suggest, could it be that God can do and God will do something for you in this season? I'm not here standing before you as some kind of a, a, a life coach or a motivational speaker or even a prophet, but we as a people of God, how can we live our faith lives not clinging on to that possibility? How can we as people of God be comfortable and settle in sitting in the back row of the synagogue, hiding the very thing that we need God's power in, hoping that we, know, that we will not be seen, hoping that no one would find out what we have been secretly praying about. God is saying, I'm here for you. Take it out. Show me. And see what I will do.